Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, how many of you enjoyed Sunday Promotion Sunday? You know, this is the time of year, every year we, we get to see all of our, our little ones and and uh, just hear from the different department directors. And, and uh, you know, it just makes such a difference. It makes such an impression. So I went back, and I had, I had ministered this back in 2014, and I just went back looking through my notes today, looking for it, and I found it. And I'm going, my goodness, that was a long time ago. But it's as true right now as it was in 2014. So we're going to talk about investing in children tonight. And, um, you know, you have to invest in children. You have to invest in, in, in your children. You have to invest in other people's children. You know, when, when I think about people who come and they serve in all the different children's departments, you know, some may or may not have children. But I'm telling you what, they're sowing into the lives of somebody else's children because somebody is going to sow into the lives of their children. It's a sowing and reaping. You know, what you, what you sow, you will reap. And if you look at our lives, all the different areas and the ways that we sow, you know, there's a huge harvest coming back in so many ways. And so, you know, just the way we, the, as a church, you know, we have always felt like it was incumbent upon us to make sure that the children's departments in this church from the day we started, you know, 41 years ago, that it wasn't a babysitting service, it wasn't entertainment it wasn't a bunch of games and just somebody, you know, people who were going to take, you know, take care of kids and just while the mamas and the daddies were in church. That was not the point. The point was to minister to these kids. And it starts in the baby room. It starts in that little, where they lay the hands on these little ones. They sing to them, you know. They just pray over them if they need to, whatever. And then they move on to the, to the toddler room and they teach them about Jesus. I mean, you heard all the different things that go on in the different departments. Our aim, you know, is to, is just to invest the word in them when they're this young. And when they, when they get over here to this side of the building, you know, they're, they're beginning to develop some real personality. And sometimes it's not always great attributes of personality. You know, I remember one little girl who years ago, you know, somebody said, you know, we've got a visitor here. Do you want to share some of your No, I not share. I not share. You know, but we try to teach them how to share. You know, and, and I remember the days, you know, when, when, you know, little Bradley was over here in this department and she's been ta- taught about healing and she's at home and she's not, and she's running a fever and she's laying on the couch at her own home going, I'm so glad Jesus heals me. I wish I could get some, some adults to sing it. <laughs> I'm so glad Jesus, and she wasn't long, she was fever free. You could put that kind of stuff in them starting right there. I was raised in an environment where we kind of had, had this idea that kids had to get to a certain age before you could get them born again, that you had to have a certain age before you could get them spirit-filled. But I'm telling you what, the Word of God is true no matter at what age that they're at. And you can put the Word in them, and it'll make a difference even when they're two and three years old. So the goal here is to get them born again when they're over here. And I can tell you lots of times in that five- and six-year-old class, tell me, Miss Jackie, the day they get born again is a huge personality change in them. You can tell like night and day switch has gone off. Get them born again over here. By the time they get to Faith Island, they're ready to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
They have Holy Ghost services over there. And at every, at every, and in the youth department, I'm telling you what, they have, they have great services over there. The word of God is going into these kids from the day they walk in the door as, a, as an infant to the day they come in here and beyond. But it's because there are people who are willing to invest in them. That's why our workers are so important. You know, we're not, workers in this church are not here to take the place of parents. Too many people, I have seen too many people raise their kids in church and the kids get grown and get out on their own and they fall away from the things of God. Why? Because a lot of times they were expecting the church to do all the work of putting the word in them. It's not, it's our job as, as pastors, it's our job as, as workers in the church and in children's departments to build on the foundation that parents are supposed to be laying. That's our job. It's not to build the foundation. It's to build on the foundation you put into them. And too often, it, it, I, you know, I've seen it growing up in the church. I mean, I, the first place my mom and daddy ever took me when I was born was to church. You know, my whole life has been wrapped up in church, except for those few years where I was a total backslidden idiot, you know. But, but, but you know, that's where I was. I mean, it was church, 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 church. Listen, in your life today, we haven't changed. It should still be church, 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 church. And at home, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Living for God in front of the children that we have been entrusted with. When you get to heaven, God's not going to want to know all your accomplishments if you stand there without your children. What will a man gain if he, if he, if he what, what gain is there if he gets to heaven and doesn't have his children surrounding him? Where, what good is it? If, I, if, if there's a blessing in my, I mean, I am blessed. I am so abundantly blessed. We are so abundantly blessed. But if there's anything that blesses me beyond all price, it's that the fact that my children serve God and my grandchildren serve God. That is a price that I cannot put. I cannot, I cannot put a tag on it. I, I, I can't. And so our workers are important. As parents, you need to thank them. When uh, Mia and, and Nate, you know, were, were all little, and I would go to the nursery to, to pick them up on Wednesday nights um, because Greg and Amy were next door with the youth, I made a habit of saying thank you to the workers. You need to be in the habit when you pick your children up from a classroom to say thank you. These people have been been investing something precious in your children while you sat in here and listened to the word. They put the word on such a level for them that they could take it in. And let me say this. I know know this this doesn't apply to many of you, but but honestly, you know, the church culture that I was raised in when when I was very little, my dad pastored from the time I was a, a baby. You know, back when I was, you know, three, four years old, he pastored in a church that there was, it was a one-room church, period. That's it. Nursing mamas went to the back row because it was turned around facing the back wall, and they nursed a baby back there. Everybody stayed in the, in the same room all the time. I don't know how we did it, but we did. When my children were young and we were, we were in church, you know, the nursery only went up to age two. You know, Sunday mornings, there was Sunday school, but Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, 
two years old, and after, when you, once you hit two, you were in the main service. Well, now we've come a long way, and we've developed children's programs and all that kind of stuff. And people seem to think they have the idea that, that the children have to have a program every single service. Of course, now they've, they've gotten to the place where they have one service a week, so it's not too hard. But a lot of times these kids have no idea what goes on in here. That's why around here, when they turn five, they come in here. But you know what? A lot of people decide that's when they're going to stay home on Sunday nights because they don't want to deal with their children because they have to, they have to train them to sit still. They have to train them to pay attention. But the parents like, no, I want, I want to listen to the message. I want to be able to, 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 to get into the flow of the service. Training your children is part of the flow of the service. You need to be paying attention to your children while you're in service with them until they are trained enough to participate like they should. So don't stay home on Sunday night just because there's no classroom for your five-year-old. Just get them to church. I have seen God work on five-year-olds. I have seen God do wonderful things for five-year-olds. If they're not here, how will they experience? They need to see an adult population serving, worshiping, praising, thanking, responding to the Spirit of God. They need to experience that. They need to understand that. They need to be trained on what it means to respond to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to see a bunch of kids just, oh, the adults are running because the Spirit of God's been. Let me just run. They need to know why they're running. And they need to know that they're responding out of here, not just, oh, fun, let's run. You need to train your children that, okay, you teach them how to listen right here. And when what's right here says, take a lap, then you take a lap. Not just because some other kid's running, not just because some adults are running, but because God moved on their hearts. It's time to train them. Listen, our job is to create and maintain a culture of faith around here. And that includes our children. What does the word culture really mean? It means this. It's the sum total of ways of living built up by a group of human beings and transmitted from one generation to another. We are trying to create a culture that is not religion but relationship. Too many people have brought their children up and it's nothing but religious format. That is not what we're after. We are after children who learn how to connect with the things of God. You know, the, the enemy is very smart. He knows that if he can get the children of a generation, he has got an inroad in the future. What we're seeing today in the way children behave, the disrespect, you know, I'm talking about population in general, the disrespect the, the, the violence, all of this stuff has come from, I could, I could go back to the 60s. I'm a product of the 60s. Rebellion abounded in the 60s. And my heavens, the rebellious ones grew up and decided to become part of the establishment. But their establishment is based on the same rebellion that they were into in the 60s, unless they got born again and got their heart right. Listen, the enemy knows that if he can take what's true in one generation and have that generation kind of back off from it, the next generation will be very weak in that. And by the second generation, it'll be non-existent. The enemy is after your children. 
He's after our children and our grandchildren. Listen, you can see that in the, in the things over the years that have gone on. You see it back in, in Nazi Germany. They recruited children into, those, into what they called what, the brown shirts. They recruited children and they indoctrinated them and changed their way of thinking till they were willing to turn in their own parents. You've seen it in Africa where they, they, they kidnapped children and turned them into, into children's soldiers who thought nothing of cutting off somebody's head, nothing of taking a gun and blowing them up, nothing. And you think, well, that's horrible. What are we doing with the video games of today? It alarms me greatly, alarms me greatly how many of the video games that kids get involved in, even young, not just teenagers, but younger than that, that are so full of violence. And you know why the enemy likes that? It's because it it desensitizes them to the real thing. Why are there so many gangs where, you know, we just on the news just not long ago saw saw a a video camera capture um, a picture of this girl who drove up she kind of was like a double, double park kind of thing. Got up. This, I think it was in Chicago. Got out of her car, a nice white car. Got over. Calmly walked over past the car that was right by the curb. Walked over to this girl that was standing right there. Shot her in the head. Calmly went back. Got in her vehicle and drove off. That, I would say, is desensitized. And the enemy is having a heyday with the culture that we're currently living in. And I'm telling you what, it's time for us as a, as a body of believers to get really, really serious about changing as much of that as we can. We have to instill it in our children, you know, that culture of faith so that they can go take it out into the world and spread it. You know, we need to have it so ingrained in them that the world's views do not affect them at all. When I sent my 17-year-old off to college back in 1988, I had no problem at all wondering if he would go down to Tampa and go off the deep end. No problem. I didn't, it, didn't, it never crossed my mind that he would get into things he shouldn't get into. And God has been faithful, and I can say it never happened. As far as I know, he serves God today. You know, I don't know that, that ever, there was ever a change in it, that there was ever a hiccup or a bump at the road along the way. That's what we're supposed to be producing to send out into a world that desperately needs what we are supposed to be instilling in them. We need to invest that in our, in our, uh, in our children, our grandchildren. Psalm 24, 1 through 6 talks about the fact this is the generation of them that seek him. If you've noticed a higher level of, of the presence of God in the last few weeks, the last few months around here, you know, I, it's, it, it becomes evident there is a group of people who are seeking God. Seeking God. And I am delighted to look around on, on most Monday nights and see a lot of young people here. Amen. Delighted. Actually, sometimes they put us to shame. They do. First Peter 2, 9 says, you are a chosen generation. Every generation is a chosen generation. It's not just one here and 30 years later it's a different one. 
It's every generation. God has chosen every generation to make them a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Isaiah 145, 4 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another. What's our generation doing? Are we praising God to our children? What, what are they seeing at home? They see it at church. And as a church body, it's our responsibility to demonstrate that to them. It's our responsibility to walk in love toward one another and let them see that. It's our responsibility to show them how to serve God. It's our responsibility to show them how to be generous. But that has to start at home. They have to see it. It's empty and meaningless if they see a bunch of people they don't live with do all those things. Because what it says is, this is kind of phony. If my parents don't live it at home, I bet they don't either. You put doubt in their minds as to whether this is, this, this is a bunch of people who are genuine and genuine for their love for God. We can't afford to do that. You can't really gauge what a child takes in, but I'm telling you, when they take in plenty. That's why when people don't want to bring their kids on Sunday night, I'm going, they're going to get something out of it, I promise you. Oh, no, it's just too much trouble. Really? Let me tell you where trouble starts. It's by not bringing them and putting them in the presence of God. Oh, you don't see the results of it now. You wait 10 years to their teenagers. And what you could have put into them when they were five, you can reap when they're 15, one way or the other. Which do you want? Is it worth it or not? Parenting is work. My Lord, it's work. I, rem- I remember the day when, when just, you know, both of the kids were, the boys were grown and, and gone. And one day I just went, wow. There is this, this, this load that you're aware of as a parent as long as your children are at home. And then one day when they're adults and on their own, you realize, oh, that load's been lifted. That responsibility. You're still going to be responsible for your kids. You're going to be responsible to help them when they get off course. You're responsible still to speak into their lives no matter how old they get. When you see them not doing what they should be doing. And, and folks, let's be objective when our children are concerned. Don't pat them on the back and enable them and let them think that they're doing okay when they're not doing okay. It's a costly thing for them to just go down the road on their own thinking they're doing fine when they're not doing fine. And when you see it and you don't say, you're responsible for that. God gave you a responsibility when he put that child into your hands. And it didn't end when they turned 21. It ends the day you leave this earth. And actually, I kind of figured, well, we get to heaven and we join that great cloud of witnesses. We're still responsible for cheering them on from up there. We're still responsible. Listen, your influence is profitable. Hopefully. <laughs> it needs to be. be you, we have to be constantly aware of the influence we're having on our children. I, I just wanted to read you this. Just, I, you know, this church over the years has, has done so much for so many teenagers, you know, and the youth group has just been a blessing for, I don't know, last decades, you know, around here. But um, 
this was a letter that came in in 2011. I, this, this is what a, a church difference can make. And this is this young, this girl who came to church, you know, she wrote this to us years after she was not here anymore. She said, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you and your youth ministry. I attended Faith Christian Fellowship, which was our old name, with a friend of mine when I was a young teenager, or the youth group to be more precise. While I attended, I always enjoyed myself. Lately, I've been reflecting on that experience and realized how that time in youth group blessed me even today. I've recently found a church in San Francisco, not unlike FCF, which I'm really excited about. This has brought me back to my Bible, which was a gift from your church when I graduated high school in 2000. Thank you again for such a neat and important graduation gift. The love of your church continues to bless me. We as a church can have an influence that lasts for years and years. Even when people get away from the things of God, there's things that we put into them when they're here that they will not get away from, that God will bring back to them. Why? Because the word doesn't return void. As a church, we can do that. But listen, more importantly, you as a parent need to do that. You need to put the word. It needs to be real to you so that you translate that as as a reality to your children. If it's not real to you, if it's just form and formality, they see through that. They see through it. You can't afford Do you want your children blessed? Do you want them prosperous? Do you want, want them walking in the favor of God? Do your job. I don't know what my job is. Learn. Learn. There's something called the Word. There's all kinds of subjects covered by the Word. And child raising is one of them. Too many people have decided that they can pick and choose and they can tailor their version of what the Word says about child rearing. I don't think God said, if you'd like to, this is the way you can raise them. He said, this is the way you should raise them. He doesn't give us choices. He tells us, this is what will work. And yet somehow, lots of parents think they have different alternatives. That it'll work a different way. I can use different methods and it'll work. Not the way God wants it to work. Not the way it's supposed to work. Hallelujah. I've got five minutes and I'm not done. Um, hallelujah. Kids, listen, I, I, I wrote this down today. Kids raised in church can become proficient in knowing with their head but never truly knowing in their heart the reality of a blessed Savior and a loving Heavenly Father. Our goal is not just to keep order in a classroom and teach them some Bible stories that they'll remember. Our goal around here is to reach their heart. And as a parent, when you have to discipline your children, when you have to make hard choices, when you have to be the bad guy, and I said this a long time ago, if your child never either says or thinks, I hate you, you have not done your job. (laughs) Because we we are empowered and instructed to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And their little flesh will not always like what you enforce because what the word says. But here's the deal. Make sure they know a lot more than just Bible stories, that they can do more than just quote scriptures, that there is a reality in their heart. It's their heart we're after, not their head knowledge. 
but their heart. Many children, many grow up and fall away from the things of God because it was never real. They never developed their own relationship. You know, as they grow older, they should get to a place where they begin to rely on God for things. They begin to use their faith. They begin to experience what it's like to see answered prayer. You as a parent have to help them along the way to have those experiences so that when they leave your care, they know for a fact, they are sure and confident that they can always depend on God as long as they take his word, put it in their heart, believe with their heart, confess with their mouth, God is God, and he will always take care of me and answer prayers, and he's always faithful. Um, you know, it's funny. When PG came back from Jacksonville after they left Bible school and he, and he came to do the youth group uh, when the, the cools were leaving to go to Canada and everything, and uh, he said, well, I, I, I've got a name for the rage group, but you're, I mean, for the youth group, but you're not going to like it. And I'm going, well, what is it? And he said, rage. And I'm going, you're going to call the youth group rage? What does that mean? He said it's an acronym. Real, authentic God experience. And you know, he's, he's proven that to be true next door. He's proven that. Right, guys? You know, here's, some, here's the latest examples of the product of that, of that rage group. It's not anything, you know, like, ah, you know, we're going to let them run wild. No, a real, authentic. But I tell you, the name gets people's attention. It's a real, authentic God experience. You know, it's just, it's up to us to be, to as parents and as a church body, to be daily examples of kindness, patience, faith, generosity, to live constantly in front of them, to live thoroughly in front of them, to live openly in front of them, to live joyfully in front of them. And if you find yourself in a place where you're at odds with something or somebody, don't let them hear that. But if they do, don't be afraid to go back and say, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. That was not a good example. That's not the way God wants me to operate. But so many times, you know, people will just go on about their lives and, and they think the kids don't pay attention and they don't see that or they don't think it's of any importance. It doesn't register them. It registers. Do not ever, ever let them see something in your life that doesn't back up what God's Word says, that doesn't back up the life, the nature, and the character of our Father God. They need to see a loving, natural parent so they can, they can be open to a heavenly parent. They need to learn to obey you naturally so that they can learn to obey their heavenly Father. It'll cost them their life sometimes if you're not if you don't get that into, into them, get it instilled, get it, get it solid on the inside, that obedience is a good thing. And see, and my goal as a parent was to have my child obey me the first time I said it, not the 14th time, the first time. That was training them to listen to their heavenly father the first time. It's not just a hardship. It's not work. It is training. As you, as you raise children, it is training. Everything you do is training. Don't 
don't compromise. Don't compromise on the training that you instill in your children. How you handle adversity, how you handle mistakes, how you handle offense is an example to them. Children have been raised to be unforgiving, unloving, unkind because they, they saw that example set before them at home. In reverse, people have, have been raised and they know how to be generous. They know how to be kind because they've seen examples of it. They've seen parents who have been generous and kind to other people and how they reaped from that. You're, you're, you're setting them up for blessings. You're setting them. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the people who are committed to the things of God in every area of their life can raise children who are the, with the same commitment. I taught my children early, you know, to be givers. You know, and it stood them in good stead. God blessed them when they got out and into, into college, you know, and, and they got out in other areas, jobs, and, and they found favor. But they, they had to learn it from precept and example. Precept, what they were taught from the Word and what they were seeing from their parents. So I just want to leave you with this tonight because I had more I could say, but I'm two minutes over, and we'll just stop with this. But I hope you get the idea what you saw on Sunday, all these little ones, they are potential. They're potentials. I mean, they are just, they're, they're, their potential is so awesome because I'm telling you what, we as adults know the word and we're able to put them. For most of us didn't know the word like we know the word now when we were young. Can you imagine where we would be today had we known what we know now when we were five, six years old, when we were, when we were in early teens, when we were in middle teens and late teens? You know, somebody said to me one time, well, you know how teenagers are. When my boys were, you know, about around those teenagers, I went, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. My guys were, did they give me trouble from some time? Yeah, but for the most part, there was no trouble. I expected no trouble. I expected no problems with out of my children. You know, don't, get, don't fall prey to what this world says is the norm where your children are concerned. You can raise godly, wonderful, kind, loving, and generous children, but you'll have to invest in them. We'll invest in them here. You invest in them at home. You do your part. We'll do our part to build on what you, what you start. But we're going to invest in them, and we're, and we're going to see. I tell you what, we're excited about the, about the group that's coming up. We're excited about the ones who've moved, moved you know, into adulthood. We're excited about the ones who are still in, in the youth department and in Showtime and Primary and Tiny Tots. We're excited about, about the potential that God's got in store for them. We're excited about how God's going to use them. We're excited to let them be used of God. So anyway... There you have it. Goodbye. Go home. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.